0: I would like to see Dave at a worship practice, actually. I you know, heard my it- story, right? No. Are you saying— I had
1: to. I had to lead worship one time.
0: I would die. You haven't heard the story. I would die. This is a true story. I thought you were joking no. when you said it.
1: No, that was a true story. My old senior pastor made <laughs> me lead worship because he thought the senior pastor had to be the worship leader, and I was up there in the front with a mic leading worship.
0: You were into it though, aren't you? No, I nah. was.
1: I was. Dying. And you Rantally
0: had to sing worship. with like your. Did you sing like making sure everyone else was singing, or did you just like go for it? Like you just sang on the top of Did you of your go lungs? for it,
2: or did you, were you timid? You're just like. Oh, oh okay. I was really
1: timid. Yeah. I'm not gonna go You're for like, it.
2: This is the cry of my heart. it <laughs> <heart." Yes.
3: laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, was horrible. Okay, everyone, welcome back to uh, Still Processing, where we every week uh, during this series, Unseen Realm. We uh, are processing some of the stuff that's coming up in our congregation in response to um, the series, because the series is so, so heavy, uh, so intricate in the way it like dives into all this stuff. The first half of the series was really technical. It's very like more of like, oh, wow, there's stuff that I haven't really thought about before. Mm -hmm. And the second half is a lot more pastoral where we're just talking about the stuff, you know. So we've been in that. And um, so there's a lot of kind of a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that we're still processing. So um,
2: I could get to you, to you all. What are you all processing? Yeah, Jess, Mike. Hi. Go for it, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I um, I think given that the sermon on Sunday brought up some things about the will, a divided will, a constrained will. You know, essentially asking the question, what do we do when we're tempted, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. when we respond in ways that are ungodly or sinful or destructive? We we sort of have a divided. Mm-hmm will, but then when falling into patterns of sin, then our will becomes uh, constrained. Am I right in sort of my assumption or my hearing so far? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- yeah. So then uh, you brought up free will as a passing comment, and then it made me think, oh, you know, it would be helpful for me to spend some time thinking about just the nature of the, the human will, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I know that the will is constrained by God's grace as well, In that faith is a gift. And um, and certainly from my like theological... Well, I'll explain that. You mean uh, uh, if you were left without God changing your heart, you would never choose Jesus. Oh yeah. Mm. And so whether you think that prevenient grace grace that comes to you as a gift from God before you choose Jesus, whether you think that's universal or particular mm. is a divide that's existed you know for some time in Christian history. yeah um, And so from my particular theological stream, I, I sort of make a, a pretty big deal out of like God's grace and the um, unconditional election, and um, you know, just the fact that like God messes with your human will out of his grace to push you towards Jesus so you can choose him. So that's like, that's Calvinism.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I don't necessarily subscribe yeah, to that.
2: Like, I'm using it as an illustration. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I, but I think it's, well, yeah, keep going. Sorry. Okay, you have Good a will. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. you see you have a free will. Yes. As an example of the fact that it's not just completely free, I think God's grace constrains our will. Uh, to some extent, because we in our in our universal sin we would we'd never choose Jesus, in my personal perspective. Mm-hmm. But if you but then we know something about how sin and the patterns of sin in our own choices constrain our will as well. So mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. think as Americans as Westerners we have a free will and nothing should ever limit me from having. I'm trying to think of the commercials you watch that show us free will. Ford trucks doing donuts in the mud. <laughs> I'm rugged. I'm individualistic. I'm an American. Whatever. Um, like we think we know free will. We love free will. We don't want, We want to be free and proud and, and all that stuff. Hmm. Um, and yet, like our will is not free because sin constrains our will. Maybe God constrains our will, depending on your opinion around this table. What, uh, how am I supposed to think about the free about the will, knowing that I can be constrained by these different things that sort of eliminate my freedom to some extent? Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, hmm.
1: Gosh, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, okay, so I would uh, the way I've been, I process and have been processing the will for some time, um, because I, I've I've traditionally came from um, more Calvary Chapel, Armenian sort of like free will, and then have, you know, later on through seminary and all that stuff have, have studied the more reformed um, Calvinist side, you would say. And I, I obviously I'm like kind of in the middle, you know, in the middle of both of them, where I think free will is a part of what makes us... Um, uh, very much like God, and God's given us a free will, and that's all. the The fact that God doesn't override our will um, is the reason why there's sin and f- brokenness in our world. Because he, w- w- um, we have to, like, the, the will has to choose to love. And so, I mm-hmm. do think that God calls us, and I do think that I don't, I don't know if I would subscribe to if God calls you, there's no way you can say no to that. There's probably is. I think that there is a way that even once you do say yes to God, you can say no to him. First of all, I've seen it happen all kinds of times. And second of all, that's the whole perseverance of the saints thing. That's the whole, like, um, the allegiance thing, that that our will then is aligned with Jesus or uh, our allegiance is to Christ and it remains there, you know. So, but, um, but the constrained will, it's more of like, um, uh, it's more... I think I was coming at it more out of um, uh, an addiction, if that makes sense.
2: But either way, the typical conception when I think of free will is like I have freedom over over everything in my life. I can do anything that I want if I just put my mind to it, if I just learn enough, if I just have enough willpower, whether that's like hustle culture uh, or whether that's just sort of like hyper individualism that is like the norm in America. I think I'm uh, totally the master of my own domain. And yet that's not true in, because our own habits shape who we are such that we, you, you can't just break an addiction. Uh, you don't always have power to break every addiction. Totally. Uh, you, ha, you still have a will yeah. um, to make changes. But some parts of your will to, are constrained. And I think so that our typical conception of the self needs to be more nuanced to say what I do daily and on the positive in God's grace can sort of shape that, and I need to be, pay more attention to who I am. Does that make sense at all? I think so. I'm definitely yeah. still processing it, but I'm trying to say <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. you can't just say I'm I am as I am, and my my personality type is innate because I chose it. My sexuality it and- is innate, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. every other part of my th- thing is hardwired. Mm-hmm. You know, except for this. Uh, when it comes to God, we're like free will, free will, free will. But in fact, like, oh, I seriously like. The sin, the the, the decisions and the community constrain your will. Yeah. And, but you don't know when it's happening. Yeah. And so that's what I'm trying to nuance the yes. concept of the will to say you should be more watchful over what affects your will. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying I to say. I think that's – yeah, that's – yes. <laughs> just edit out the just, last 10 yeah. minutes and just like start with that.
1: Just kidding. <laughs> no, I think that's – No, we that's, got there. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, I think and that's, that's the whole processing thing. Yes. I think that was kind of also the point. I wasn't to say – um that the will is totally free, and you can do anything you want to do always, and everything you choose is going to be um, uh, possible for you. Mm-hmm. It's. It was more to say that um, you have a free will, and that you have a freedom of choice, and you have a freedom of choice in um, aligning your life with lies or aligning your life with truth. And you have this. Um, uh, you have this. And, and I said you have a free mm-hmm. will. Um, n- I think I forget how I said it. So I'm like, no one can constrain your will. Speaking of demons. And I was specifically talking about demons. Demons can't make you do something. If you're a believer. Even if you're not a believer. Oh, okay. They can't like, demons can't go, you will do this. And the human will goes, I will do that. The human will will then choose to participate, whether it's through deception or whether it's through through fear. And then eventually, because the, the way that we're, created, our, our brains, our neural pathways, we then align with it so much that it becomes to us a reality, and then, then our will is constrained, and we can do nothing else, if that makes sense.
2: That's great. I'm going to put a pin in my next question uh, to, uh, to shift a little bit, but my ne- my, if we have time, I'd like to just ask sort of the pastoral advice around, like, how do I know when some of the things I'm experiencing are external? And how how do I know it's uh, demonic or spiritual? How do I recognize when I'm being influenced by some of those things? How do I know when I've like partnered mm-hmm. with those enough that it's constraining my will? Mm-hmm. And then how do I know it's sort of James 1, internal epithemia, <laughs> desires, evil desires? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm still processing. I mean, I loved how we got to Mike's like, this is my point. Um, I think I'm still processing even about our choices that we have and the need for, Dave, you mentioned this, like the need for discernment to be able to like distinguish between when I think of constrained and I think the will, my first reaction is always is this control. So there's a difference between control and constrained. And that even is nuance. Like Mike, you said, you need some nuance to actually how this lives and plays out every day. And so part of that is the discernment to be able to distinguish between, to me, sometimes definitions are language, but I'm like, but if my will has a choice and I am in bondage to something, I am not controlled by it, but often my brain will always go to I'm being controlled, which kind of has more for me to, like, discern about what that looks like for people. Yeah, like, to what that. extent
2: am I in bondage In
0: bondage around that I something. feel like I'm out of control.
3: Yeah.
0: And mm. that's why it just warps with chaos and confusion. Like, the enemy loves nothing more than to confuse us for that, for even, so, yeah. So I'm still processing that constraint doesn't always mean control. But there is some big nuance to that to be aware of, for sure.
2: Like so, as long as your heart's beating, is this what you're saying? As yeah. long as your heart's beating, you have a you have a will yep. and you can make decisions that yeah. uh, can change. Yes. And one of the lies from Satan is tempting yeah. you to despair to say you'll never be you'll different. You'll never be different. This is who you you are. have
0: no choice anymore or you have yeah. no other way forward. So you're stuck. Like yeah. that's probably the worst thing. And I think you even talking about like even how that comes I, I don't know what your question was again, the external and internal ways that it happens. I mean, I have a, just a story of how that kind of like played was a little bit on Sunday it was in a couple meetings after church and from the sermon there was someone who came and said I think I am in bondage I can't help but think negative thoughts about death like in doom like life is in in peril and we were like she's like I think I recognize it but like what should I do now and I feel like there's even in discernment for that you have community for that and people around you that you trust and are safe to say it's it sounds like bondage, but like the only thing to do that is let like, let's confess, like let's start talking about it. What does that look like? Tell me more about that. There's the nuanced questions of like discernment of like, yeah, I don't know if that's really. We kind of came to the conclusion we're like we don't actually think that was a demon. Like we blame everything on demons. It was actually like no, like, let's talk about your patterns of things that are happening and how that plays out. And so um, it was just a really interesting <laughs> conversation where she's like, I think I'm in this. So what do I do? But, how do and, I
2: say that? Fr- but even from your examples, Dave, from yeah. the sermon, th- it seemed like what you're saying is um, the markers of bondage on mm-hmm. some level, like a partnership with spiritual forces mm-hmm. that constrain your will. One of the markers is I don't even think twice from returning to or making worse than the simple patterns in my life. That's one of the markers. Yeah, It can be one of the markers, yeah.
0: Yeah,
1: Yeah, I think, so to use that, I like taking this from abstract to concrete, even though it doesn't seem like that on a Sunday, (laughs) because I love abstract, Yeah. but on this podcast, I like more concrete. So for that example, and I have my own examples of this, Mm -hmm. I think um, bondage is something that um, even if you see it, you have no power to control it. Mm And mm-hmm. you have no power to, like, I can't overcome this. Mm-hmm. Why can't I overcome this? Mm-hmm. So that negative thought pattern or mm-hmm. even the, the thoughts of death, you mm-hmm. know, and doom and all the – and just, they just pop up every single time you leave the house or someone leaves the house or your friend gets on a plane or whatever. You just mm-hmm. – like it's just a thought pattern and it's over and over and over again. You're like, I hate that thought. I hate that thought. Um, so from from mm-hmm. my uh, research and talking with David, Emily McKinney, who mm-hmm. do a lot of this work, on uh, you know, um, Pastorally on our uh, boots on our, the ground, yeah, in every week with people. With people, hundred percent. It's um, usually deliverance comes after a lot of conversations where you're like, "Let's try to let's try to figure out where this came from." Mm-hmm. So I use this really silly example that I actually liked a lot, but um, the whole Moana example of <laughs> like Takah being a demon monster and t- but actually Takastefidi that needs mm-hmm. healing, not mm-hmm. like to be cast out. And sometimes we think if if we jump to deliverance too quickly. In that example, you're trying to cast something out, but it, it's not that. I, I got this from the book you gave me, mm-hmm. um, the naming the powers, mm-hmm. um, or unmasking the powers, or whatever. There's like three of them. Okay,
0: Walter Wink. Walter yeah. Wink. Yeah. yeah, I was
1: re- I was studying that, yeah. and he had this really good way of saying this. He said that when um, if you move too quickly to expel something. Um, you can be eradicating someone's soul. Like you can be eradicating the part of them that's mm. them mm. that doesn't need deliverance, it needs healing. Mm-hmm. It's not its not a demon, it's them. Mm. And you're casting them out of them and that it would, it would make no sense. Mm. You, you, that person needs healing. And so then you get to the root of like the trauma or whatever, mm-hmm. The thought, where does this thought pattern come from? What is that thing? And then this is mm-hmm. um, the work of, what's that Fuller, uh, Fuller professor that taught at Fuller, maybe when you were there that did a bunch of... Um, uh deliverance stuff and demonology you don't remember oh, i think was name in a second um it's a pretty big seminary craft yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah i don't know
1: yeah craft nobody i took from not craft not peter craft oh it's not peter craft craft grief anyway um <laughs> way off it's <laughs> someone um he he was he talks about how um in in, in deliverance ministry mm. um as you're as you're going through it and and Uh, David and Malia do this too with Emmanuel prayer. Going back to the trauma Mm -hmm. and knowing that Jesus could actually revisit that trauma with you. Mm -hmm. And you can relive this trauma with Jesus present. And what would Jesus be saying to Mm -hmm. you and how the healing there. So deliverance takes all these different forms. But sometimes, let's say you're doing Mm -hmm. this and you're realizing, no, there's some demonic activity there. Mm -hmm. After you've done all this work. And then then you're starting to then move into like... Um, deliverance ministry of the um, demonic deliverance sort, mm-hmm. which is a different kind of thing. So, not to get s- too much into the we- uh, Charles Charles Craft, yeah.
0: Charles Craft, sure. no, no he wasn't
1: there. Time. Probably before your time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he yeah, he wrote a t- he wrote a ton of books on 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 this subject and in a, in the Fuller world, which um, before he got there, he got kicked out of a uh, his other uh, being a missionary because he started teaching on demonology, even though his doctrine didn't say that, that there was a worldview for that. Mm-hmm. And his his um, whatever denomination kicked him out of being a, because mm-hmm. he just witnessed it so often, he so he, he went.
2: Non-denominational seminary, yeah. 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 So the point that you're making is uh, that sometimes the deliverance is in the frame of like believing lies, devoting yourselves to ideas that are shifting, and there's a spiritual realm to that, but yeah. it's not a I'm, I'm possessed or I'm, yeah. and then there's- Or demonized or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not demonized, but there's a you're generally believing in the principalities and powers that are uh, evil, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's affecting your life, and then yeah. the other or, or the traumas and your response to trauma, yeah, has you partnering with things that are ungodly, yeah. and then there's this other side of it that's more severe and is more like directly demonic, yeah, is that sort of what you're saying? Absolutely,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. and so I. Okay, so uh, we were talking about this earlier. We did a digital fast a couple months ago or in mm-hmm. September, right? Mm-hmm. And us three, um, and we did a digital fast where we took we turned off our, our phone into just tools. Right? What yeah. is it? Uh, no shopping. No shopping. So, no
0: notifications. No Notification. TV.
1: No, no YouTube. Not, no YouTube. No no social media. No social
2: media. I no mean, news. You, did, you no guys just black and white, and I I know I did my turned my to color after about ten days because my I was like. Making wrong turns on my maps app. <laughs> you really depend on the colors for the maps.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh
0: okay. Yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> and uh, and then also no no news and no mm-hmm. email. Yep. So basically your phone is like a phone. Yeah, it's for like utility. Messages. Yeah, utility. Yep. That's right. Yep. Oh yeah.
2: Anyway, who did no this? No
0: screen time. Because we're gonna nothing. we might
1: do a uh, leader church to this yes. next year during Lent.
2: Yeah. So I, I, I do emails. Just uh, I'm the executive pastor, so oh, yeah, I yeah. on my emails Mike's a little confession more. Time I, I might too. Uh, a little
0: bit on my end. Oh my gosh, you guys! Confession time. Like this is confession. I feel so much better okay so
1: (laughs) what I realized during this this time was number one I don't ever want to be on social media ever again in my whole life ever 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 never it (laughs) adds nothing to my life at all um and that might be sad to say because people are like but you get to see people and their families and like pictures and I do miss that part but not that much honestly Mm because I get to see people once a Mm -hmm. month for an hour check in delete that yeah, problem solved. I haven't done that, but maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Anyway, the other thing too is I realized that I had like this, I keep bringing this mm-hmm. up on a sermon. If I bring some up on a sermon a lot, a lot, a lot, you're probably like, oh, he must be struggling He's with something He's going like through that. it, yeah. So I yeah. talk about online shopping a lot, talking and about I realized about online shopping. yeah, a lot. And I realize that during this fast, I'm like, I want to, why am I, I want to I pick up my phone and buy something. Like, yeah. I want to, um, hopefully Ashley doesn't listen to this because she would be like, I'm so glad you said that out loud. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and i realized that uh, and as i think back to this whole divided will versus constrained will there was a there was probably years ago i don't know how long ago where it was a divided will i'm like do i want that i don't want that do i do i can can i can i afford that can i justify that could mm-hmm. i could mm-hmm. all the stuff where until up until recently it was just buy it I don't even think about. I wouldn't. I didn't even. think, Oh yeah, I want that. Buy it. But what if you don't want it? I want to return it, or sell it, or keep it, or give it away. I. It was never. It was. It was. Um, it became more of a constrained thing where mm-hmm. I had. I didn't even think I had. I didn't. I didn't even want to exercise power over saying no to something, mm-hmm. um, which seems super weird to say that now. Um. And so, so were demons involved in that? I don't know. I'm still in the process of like repenting of that and seeing that as something mm-hmm. that I'm like I want. I want, um, more of my, uh, uh, like spiritual power in this area Hmm. in my life. So, um, so this is, and this is like, this was for me when I was mapping it in the, in the sermon, I'm like, uh, I understand clearly through this and other things in my life in Mm -hmm. the past Mm -hmm. and counseling people, which I still do. And seeing like patterns of like how people's will becomes constrained and we might say addiction, we might say um, uh, that that they have this like, you know, spiritually it would be a form of bondage where they, they just can't get out of a certain pattern of living. And it's not as simple as saying, um, I don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Because part of their will is constrained to where they almost don't even have a choice. And they just think, you know, you use, you use any sort of example, whether it's promiscuity or whatever, it's like, um, no, I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to do that. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so the divided will, constrain will thing, that's kind of where
2: like looking at it really practically. I think it's interesting as a pastor Mm -hmm. when you, you don't, maybe you don't know every congregant super well, but you know a lot of leaders uh, with a church our size. And then you do spend a lot of time with congregants. In general, it's not, it's not a hundred per pastor, but it's, you know, whatever, some number (laughs) uh, in in a given month. And so you get a stratified sort of spread out Mm -hmm. look at a lot of people's lives. Yeah. And you have a few, you have your 12, you know, maybe you're more deeply with. And so you do see sin patterns in the city, in the Christian congregation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think other people get that view to Mm -hmm. go like how prevalent it is for dating couples to sleep together, but be like, I'm still a pretty committed Christian Mm -hmm. who wants to be challenged Mm -hmm. in my life. I want to know the word. I want to glorify God. I want to be at church regularly, which we looked at the data and our church comes to church way more often than like the average church in America. So, like, we have committed people, and then you see, like, the money stuff, you see the sexuality stuff, mm-hmm. and then you start to see, like, oh, unique that um, that we are sort of constrained in this area mm-hmm. as a congregation.
1: Mm-hmm. As a as a culture,
2: as a city, yeah.
1: as, a, as San but Francisco. Even among the most yes, believing people in that people, city, yeah.
2: or at least seemingly outwardly, you know? Yeah. It's and unique.
1: I, I've, that's something that I've—yeah, uh, it's funny. You moving mm-hmm. to this church fairly n- with new eyes, you know, mm-hmm. and working here for a year— and seeing these these things, and then mm-hmm. having seen them and recognized them early on, but kind of have forgotten. It's just like the water we swim in. Now, I'm like, oh yeah, hundred percent.
2: Like yeah. when you yeah. bring it up, I'm like, oh yeah, oh like,
1: yeah, yeah. We know totally. that. Once yeah. I became
2: a Christian, Crazy. I was quickly yeah. ushered into purity culture. We've talked about pu- purity culture <laughs> before yeah, yeah. as a yeah. church, oh, and I sort of I did in fact kiss dating goodbye and uh, all those things that <laughs> sort of happened in the early 2000s. If anyone knows what what yeah. that whole thing was, um, so I think I do have a little bit of like. Once I became a Christian, purity culture was a part of my experience and then like kept my nose clean at least, you know, while I was single. Yeah. So, but to be in San Francisco where people are like, I've already kissed, kissed dating goodbye, goodbye, uh, or whatever, you know, I've <laughs> like I've, re- I've reduced mm-hmm. my Christian faith away from any kind of uh, sexual norms, gender norms,
3: mm-hmm. dating mm-hmm.
2: norms, mm-hmm. wisdom in living together. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I I think of myself as an individual and so I don't want a community to tell me what to do with my money or what to do with my vocation or any any of these things you know yeah like you're stepping into it and you're kind of going like oh this is unique Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I I think
1: too part of me thinks that when um when you move to San Francisco or a city what happens is you sometimes get to choose your new family Mm -hmm. um uh, because your family doesn't live here, oftentimes, and so you choose you, your your family's chosen, which is the rise of friendsgiving and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. You're like oh, mm-hmm. these are this is the people I want to be with for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving, you know, the ones I have to be with for family, but the ones mm-hmm. I want to be with. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that happens too is that um, you start to uh, uh, as as you're part of a city and a, and a church, you start to to like create your own beliefs around. Um, away from purity culture, away from the constraints of whatever place you're from and go, you know, what's what's good for me here now? Mm-hmm. And, oh, wow. and because of that, you you look around, even in the church, like this is whatever, oh, this is kind of like a normal thing. Okay, cool. When you never really go back and go, what part of purity culture do I need to let go of? And what part of biblical like um holiness do I need to you know, just um, keep. to keep yeah. and yeah. doing that work is sometimes just too hard. Like I'm, I don't want to do that. I just rather just go with, go with it. And hopefully I get a wife or husband.
3: Oh, I had a question, which we can get it out if it's not helpful, but I feel like you're going there, which I was thinking about while you were first talking about this of like constraint. Um, I'm curious if it's helpful oh. to also talk about it on the other end of the spectrum of like, to your point of like, if we are, if our will is constrained by, God in some way, then when we become a Christian, we're deeply entrenched in it, then there are certain things that are positive that like we don't think about oh, anymore, yes. like it, the choices that we make, but it's actually for our betterment. Like it's our freedom in Christ that allows us to be like, oh, that's not even a question anymore. It's not a decision. It's just like I naturally inherently do uh, that. And I wonder yeah, if there's yes. A, yes. Great, a way to like great. talk about it there because that sometimes maybe easier to recognize those things for ourselves of like, the world tells me that this is bad for me, but actually it's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. That's really good. I mean, that's just a great point. Yeah. (laughs) To reflect your point or to sort of restate it, some of the things, I think you even mentioned it in your sermon, some of the sinful, destructive, bad things, because there's just so many people who agree with it and call it good. you, You just end up saying, this thing that's evil is good and acceptable. And actually, this is what free thinking, open-minded people do. And so you—that's how, that's how destructive sinful patterns can be. And label it across the ideological spectrum between right and left or whatever, between culture war. But like a lot of evil things get so explained and they're so it's just in the water mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, I think it's the mark of someone who's shaped by scripture, shaped by the work of the spirit to be able to... to in your mind go, when I hear the people who I otherwise agree a lot with start to say things that are destructive and evil and ungodly, to the extent that I know Christ, know the word, have a maturity to my faith, I'll be able to flag those things and go, oh, wait, I can't go there to that. My view of human life is different than that. Or my view of, of gender, race, militarism, money, power. You know what I'm saying? Like when all your friends and all the savvy people, you know, and all the professors that you had in college agree with the thing, but like, you knowing Christ and knowing scripture allows you to sort of pick between these different spectrums of belief mm-hmm. to say uh, my wisdom, my scripture, my maturity in Christ is able to not agree with all these things and pick between them. Instead of just being sort of a, a rudderless boat blown around by the wind, which is, I think, from James 1,
1: right? Yeah, and even hmm. going back to the um, the whole internal, external, I started the sermon with a bunch of rhetorical questions that I wasn't ever intended to answer. Yeah. Um, But it, it did something in the mind that like made you want to listen. And then you're like, and I had to be honest, like, I can't answer these questions. But I also
0: think it was a call for, like, deeper discernment. Like, you're like, you need to listen to this. Because oh, yeah, one, yeah. I can't answer it because I think so often people want someone to just answer for yes, them because exactly right. they don't want to do just it. Just tell and me they what d- to do. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I was like, we've all been there. Just tell me what to do. It'd be so much easier. Even as a Christian, <laughs> tell me what to believe. Tell me what to do. I don't actually have to use my brain. Yeah. But I'm like, no. Like, part of that is, like, God wants you to use your brain like, yeah. and your intellect and everything. You have to to be discerning, and so, um, but it is a lot easier if someone just tells you what to do. <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: yeah, and yeah. and so we, yeah, the internal versus external, and um, I didn't say this in the sermon, but the answer is the answer is yes. It's what is it? Is, what's the solution? And is it internal or external? It's both of those mm-hmm. things, and they're interwoven. So you do have external principalities and powers as. Um, is what, you know, uh, Paul calls them in Ephesians. You can also call those um, political powers, ideologies in our world. Um, The the Bible assumes that that's charged spiritually with something. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, if you're not, um, if you're someone who just doesn't buy into that whole thing, we can both agree that there's something that gets into the water that shifts culture in a certain way. And everyone's looking at that thing in a certain way. Right. Or divides like ideology divides. Yeah. So whatever you want to call it. And the Bible says it's all spirit spiritual in nature uh, or there's spiritual elements involved. So there's that and that and we all get caught up into that. I mean, we're right now we're getting caught up <laughs> into that with the, the Israel Hamas war. Mm-hmm. Like there's all of this thing, especially what this is. I've been talking with um, we're kind of dipping into this and I've been wanting to dip in this <laughs> for a while. Th- just processing um, uh, what's going on in Israel right now which I think we will end with some mm-hmm. of that but but it's external like there's mm-hmm. things that Press. So we're talking about like you move to San Francisco and it's weird. When I first moved to San Francisco, what I would tell people is that it's kind of like uh, a little bit like L.A., ho- Hollywood, where the spirit here is so sexualized, mm-hmm. um, but in a different way. It's different than um, Hollywood. It's external. It's like the way you look and all the stuff. San Francisco, it's a little bit more uh, internal and lusty, you know? And it's a little bit different here. Mm-hmm. The spirit is different here, but it's very similar in this very sexually mm-hmm. driven um, mm-hmm. culture. And uh, and so when you get here, it's it's in the water. It's the powers, mm-hmm. or it's the ideology, whatever you want to call it. It's there. It's external. Mm-hmm. And then there's also this, this internal stuff that happens, and they play together. They 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 feed off each other. Um, and so it's it's, it's And so even when talking about the homelessness or the unhoused crisis it's is it external is it like access to housing or is it internal and you know drug use and mental health it's both it's Mm both i i tend to think it's a bit more um the the drug and and mental health side of it but there is a reality of like, so someone gets healed, but where do they go? You know, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. So absolutely. So it's, it's both. Um, and I think that, but when people don't
2: like Mm that, the the answer is both. They want, (laughs) they want it to be polarized. That's why the framework to look at it is important, I think. So like if you had any kind of issue that you brought to therapy, Mm -hmm. there's like a behavioral therapy way to say, here, do these three things, do these steps to deal with your anxiety. Or there's a family systems way to say, Mm -hmm. sounds a lot like your, Mom uh-huh. nitpicked you so much that whenever anyone criticizes you, you're not able to handle it. Or, you know, whatever. There's mm-hmm. the family mm-hmm. systems way to talk about it, and then there's like the trauma, trauma informed stuff. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like the same issue, same problem to solve. Mm-hmm. And yet, um, if you were to say there's only one way to do it, you know, then you would be oversimplifying the problem. Mm-hmm. And I think having like that nuanced view with a spiritual material um, mm-hmm. um, deliverance angle. Uh, theological angle, Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual disciplines that can reformat the way my mental pathways allow me to let God do work in my life. Like all of those things help you. And some Mm -hmm. problems take more or less of a different thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the nuance, that's why like understanding it better is not just so you can say, that's a demon. That's not a demon. It's saying, I now have like an openness, a more multifaceted way to look at my problems Mm -hmm. and the problems Mm -hmm. in the world. And it changes how I pray, changes how I manage my own life, changes how Mm -hmm. I deal with, help other people with their problems? I think this is a kind of a non-answer, but it's just to say the the nuance thing gives you a lens to view all sorts of different issues in a more multifaceted way.
0: Yeah, I think even the vision that you laid out of healing, I think was really refreshing for people. It was refreshing for me to hear that, yes, while deliverance can happen and it could be gone in a moment, most likely the journey of healing, while when you're in it, (laughs) when I've been in it, it's not fun, (laughs) but I think it's for my ultimate good. And so I think in hindsight, the vision for what healing is, is actually the most compelling thing, which is the hope of the gospel too, It's like Mm -hmm. the good news of the gospel is that Jesus wants your full integrated healing, Mm -hmm. not just the one issue that that's gone, like not just anger or fear, but even talking to about like that at the beginning, I also think like constrained means control, but that's not always true. And like we were talking about how this also as freedom for constrained will in Christ that's actually brings about really beautiful fruit. And it's actually part of our healing. I feel like I think of even our rule of life, how we got to our rule of life in San Francisco. There are some very particular practices that part of that is a journey for healing, like a journey to be more like Christ. So I yeah. feel like there's hope in that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. This Sunday, um, I'm, I'm doing that whole part of like mm. that whole like if there there's a, probably a moment of deliverance of some sort, yeah. whether that deliverance comes in a realization of, of, of past sin or forgiveness or mm-hmm. salvation or whatever, there's also a process. Mm-hmm. So I'll use the, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, Exodus sort of paradigm, mm-hmm. which is used over and over again when it talks about deliverance, how it's mm-hmm. like it's a moment and then yet it's ongoing. It's like not just – not it doesn't just happen like they're free. Boom, free, good. Like, no, there's all – this is huge process um, as well. And um, you can map over that, you know, sanctification as we talked about on Sunday or mm-hmm. um, uh, spiritual formation or however mm-hmm. you want to map over it. It's like as mm-hmm. a moment and then it's a lifetime, mm-hmm. you know. And that happens over and over again. It's like a moment of people coming, whether they overcome an addiction, they overcome mm-hmm. a disorder of, of whatever sort, mm-hmm. a disease – um, and then there's, there's ongoing, there's that moment and there's all, how, how do I live into this new reality? Mm-hmm. How does my life change? So you become a Christian. I remember when I became a Christian, you know, um, when I was a teenager, a late teenager, I was like, and the whole, speaking of the whole purity culture thing, <laughs> uh, I remember my youth pastor come up to me and it was like, okay, so you, you know, you, you guys, you, know, you can't sleep, sleep with your girlfriend anymore. I was like, What? like I had no paradigm like yeah. zero paradigm like wait where did you why what what is that even about because I, I didn't grow up in church I had no idea about mm, anything mm-hmm. like that and so mm-hmm. um so then you're like I'm I'm free but then I, it sounds like it sounds like I just went and I came under a different yoke you know yeah which Jesus has a yoke you know yeah. there's a yoke yeah. there's you're not <laughs> free to be free you're free for something yeah um and that freedom is 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 to live under God's vision mm-hmm. of flourishing and renewal of the whole world, you know? So um, so then I had to learn, like, hey, I'm free in Christ, and how do I then I live in this new freedom mm-hmm. that feels also like constraint mm-hmm. in some way and like rules and laws, but then you learn to, like, love them like boundaries, you know? You love mm-hmm. them like, oh, I, this is a street and this is where you walk, and I'm really grateful that there's a place that cars go and a place that, mm-hmm. that
2: people walk, you know? Mm-hmm. It creates order mm-hmm. in, the, yeah. in your life. Well, I think of, um, in terms of final thoughts before we close with something about just the insight around what do I do if I see some sin in my life? Mm. Mm -hmm. And then, like, do I create a whiteboard sort of, like, word cloud around Mm -hmm. it? Around, like, like, okay, I'm thinking of myself around, like, I think I'm just getting over the over-politicization of 2016. I think I've just moved on. In the last year, I moved on from a season of life where I thought about other people's ideas way too much, you know? Mm-hmm. Which happened, like, in mm-hmm. L.A. I lived in L.A. after 2016, and it was, like, in the days in downtown L.A. Mm-hmm. after Trump won, November 2016, <laughs> people were just walking around with, like, a thousand-yard stare, and everyone I knew bought a dog. <laughs> it was just sort what? of like... Yeah, like yeah, we need like, an animal to love us. I, yeah. I need, <laughs> just need that, yeah, exactly. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, oh, yeah. it's just, uh, an emotional uh, support animal? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone got that. And, and, so, and then, like, and then COVID and all that stuff, you know? And so it, it has maybe taken... Mm-hmm me this long just to go like you know what i can unplug from what other people are thinking and doing in the world enough to like care about leading my family you yeah. know mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. and i just lived off that sort of like satan's cocaine for like way too long you know satan's cocaine, satan's cocaine. Co- is a great Cain. name Cain. for social media oh my <laughs> <Yeah>. god <gosh. laughs> the devil's <laughs> cocaine the devil's
1: cocaine. cocaine has Zane's a better ring to it yeah <laughs> oh, my so the
2: devil's cocaine yeah. is gosh. is so true yeah So all that to say like that is if I were to do a word cloud around my Mm. failure to lead my family better Mm. and like to care about my spiritual, the spiritual uh, thriving Mm. of my wife and my kids, Mm -hmm. it would be like one personal stuff, one societal stuff that I've partnered with too Mm. much, one, a third part, maybe some hurts or insecurities Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I think that might be a neat exercise if you're like jotting down sort of the felt problem and then locating them in these different categories that might be some of the cause and contributing factors Mm -hmm. to it, you know? Which I think,
1: you know, ending with Israel and uh, Hamas, um, I found it interesting um, with this whole – with the war, uh, Israel and Hamas um, going through this whole global uh, political news flare-up that's kind of everywhere right now, not being on social media. Like, absolutely not a single thing. I've not read anything on social media. haven't been on social media. And so – the, the way that, I, uh, that I've that i been trying to think through it is old-fashioned conversations with people that are a lot smarter than me, reading long-form articles, and so uh, when this first came out, um, the I reached out to a friend of mine, Mark Sayers from um, Australia, who has a great podcast called Rebuilders. I think next week he'll be posting uh, a, a podcast on this subject, which re- listen to everything he has to say with global politics. He's a genius. And just processing with him, sending each other long form articles or podcasts or whatever that kind of deal with this. And, um, and also reached out to an old, old mentor of mine, Michael Zachariah, who, who did our whole uh, difficult conversations, mm-hmm. a lecture, spent time with our staff for years kind of bringing us mm-hmm. out of this really bad, you know, breakdown that we had in our eldership and our staff and pulling us out of that through learning how to have difficult conversations. And mm-hmm. so he's half Israeli and half Palestinian. Mm-hmm. And he has family on both sides that live there that are affected by it. So I called him like, how, help me how to like how mm-hmm. do we think how do I think mm-hmm. about this?" And sitting with both of them and trying to form a thought, thoughts around this uh, from a place that's not not around social media and consuming all the news on it has been has been very, very interesting. It, it is a lot more of a less anxious place that I come from when I think about this. Uh, more compassionate place. I do think that people who are not Israeli or Palestinian right now have have a way that they can come at at this a bit more nuanced and he, with compassion on both sides, um, not excusing anything Hamas did because Hamas was it's it's a that, Hamas doesn't want peace. Just period, full stop. Doesn't want peace at all. Um, uh, there's Palestinians that want peace. There's Israelis that want peace, and there is Hamas that doesn't want peace and tries to destroy every sort of peace. Uh, accord or any sort of thing that has to do with peace. Um, so, But if you're an Israeli right now, it's really hard to see past your own pain, to see the other side and the compassion. And if you're Palestinian, it's hard to see, hard to see past your own pain because there's not that much psychological space to hold all of your anguish and pain and then see humanity on the side. And that's kind of what we I think we have to pray for. Um, pray for uh, the the evil wouldn't win. And and when I mean that by that, I don't mean just like that terrorism wouldn't win. I mean that, um, that evil that happens as a result of violence, and the desire for retaliation, um, and anger. That that's that's the evil stuff I'm t- I'm talking about. So this is um uh, this is like a war that will wage on the psychology of people, like a lot and how they think about. Certain people groups and how they think about the world and politics and all the other stuff. So to be really wise and stay off of social media, would be really good. Um, anyway, um, also do if you're trying to form an opinion on how to think around this, do some research in in history. I mean, it goes all the way back to the Bible, literally. But do some research on the history of Israel, um, the the history of Jerusalem. Um, the history since uh, post World War II, post Holocaust, and the reoccupation of Israel, and all the stuff that's happened since then, and then how Gaza became Gaza, and how, um, uh, and just the just learning the history of that will give you a pretty clear sense of of like kind of not maybe not clear, but what's going on, but all, I also show you the almost impossibility of like finding a way forward. Hmm. So, um, and then and then I think the other thing I'd say is um read uh and and think through what this is doing to the left, especially the like progressive sort of people as they're engaging in this, because I think this is gonna really start dividing and blowing up the progressive left because of um because of because of what's happening here. So I think it's going very fascinating moment. Anyways, Mark Sears is way better at talking about all that. So I'll just leave it leave it to that.
2: Looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, totally. Um Okay, well, until next week, peace, everyone.